The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. I'm Kelsey Campbell, uh, sitting in for Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. And I was driving yesterday at noon when the Roy Green Show came on the Chorus Radio Network. And he had a guest waiting on the line, like I do now, but at least mine ties in to what we're about to talk about. And he gave this powerful monologue about homelessness. And I thought, I have to share this with with those of you who may not have caught it yesterday at noon on a Sunday. You may not have been as lucky to be driving and listening at this time. So here's a little bit of what Roy Green had to say as he started his show yesterday. Nope, that was me teasing you. It's not. It's going to come right now. Are you ready? Okay, here it is. I arrived at the radio station about an hour ago. And we're at a busy intersection in Hamilton. And there's a, a man maybe in his early 30s wrapped in a, in a blanket with all everything that he owns is sort of beside him and uh, stacked beside him. It's cold. And it's probably minus 15 as far as the temperature is concerned, and the wind chill maybe bring it down to minus 25 or worse. And there are people stopping to talk to this, to this young man because they're clearly concerned. And uh, I've talked to him. He's, he's, he's been in this area for a period of time. He shows up, and then he's gone, and he comes back. And uh, at Christmas time, I, I gave him a little Christmas gift, and he started to cry. And I, I felt a connection to, to him, and I've been concerned about him, worried about him. Uh, for all I know, he's a Canadian military veteran. I, I don't know. But the sad thing is that when I got into the radio station, I, I called 911 and uh, said, you know, I'm very concerned this, 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 this man may die in this cold. And I'm guessing he's been there all night. And they put me through to the uh, police department, and the police dispatcher, 911 dispatcher, said, well, we've sent officers over before, and he's refusing help, so the officers leave. This is just so troubling, so disturbing, it's infuriating. McMaster Hospital, which is one of the best hospitals in this country, is literally two minutes down the road. Two minutes. That was Roy Green yesterday on the Chorus Radio Network. You could have heard it right here on 630 Chad. And uh, I'm sure right now you understand why I thought that was particularly moving. Because his situation is not unlike one you may have had just yesterday walking through the river valley seeing someone that i don't know if they're in distress i don't know if it's do i call 911 has 911 already been called is that even where you call we're told a lot of numbers of how to help these people i have friends who are police officers i have friends on the fire department and they tell me yeah we see the same people multiple times a day not multiple times a week or through the winter, but multiple times a day, we'll get the calls, we'll check on them, they'll refuse our help, or sometimes we'll take them to the hospital, they'll get released, we get called for them again, we take them to the hospital again. Today we are lucky in Edmonton, it's a warmer day, the sun is shining, zero degrees, but in Ottawa right now, they're saying that the wind chill there could hit minus 40. These are temperatures that we have felt here as well. And 
I, I take my dogs out for a walk every single night. And the last two weeks especially, I, I take them out and I'm feeling okay and I've, I've, got, I've got proper winter gear on good winter gear because I live in Edmonton in a cold climate and I'll throw the ball from them and just the saliva or the snow sticking to my glove I start to feel it and I the the warning alarms start going off my head like I'm not going to be okay if I stay here much longer and then it's always on the walk back you're walking against the wind and I start feeling my legs tingling and I start wondering is this the day I lose a part of my pinky or I have pain in my legs because I've actually got frostbite or the start of frostbite I get those alarm bells I'm lucky I'm dressed properly I'm wearing snow boots I'm wearing proper socks not everyone has that luxury especially those on the streets of our city and other streets of other cities Aiden Ingalls is the director of programs at Boyle Street thanks for joining me Aiden thanks for having me I just needed to talk to you. <laughs> I I started putting the calls out last night after I, I heard Roy Green talk about that scenario of a 30-year-old man laying on the street with a thin blanket telling people that he was okay. And I think many of us have been in that spot where you're sitting around your dinner table and you're warm and the guilt complex starts to sneak up and you wonder if that person you saw is okay or what happened to them. And I just wanted a little bit of insight just into when we are feeling helpless and don't know how to help the homeless, what can we do? I mean, there's not a simple solution to these kinds of problems and that's why I think we have just, uh, you know, we still have people living on our streets and in really tough situations, uh, even in a climate like we have where it seems, uh, you know, it seems crazy to be out there. But I think one of the things that people can first uh, do that makes a big difference in the long run is start to educate themselves on, um, you know, how can they, what sort of services are available to, to get to people that make sure that they are going to be okay but also how can they advocate to uh, bring about change how can they um, engage in a way that's maybe not just that you know one time a year where they feel they're gonna um, come and take part in, in an activity but how are they going to educate themselves on why folks end up in those situations and how we can uh, get to know them a little bit better and that might just be going and checking on that person that you see every day when you are uh, walking to work or walking your dog or whatever the case may be and, and getting to know who they are or just saying hi and um, and then to the point where maybe they you know when they're in a tough spot and because there's been a relationship built up there in a spot where they feel comfortable saying, yeah, you know what, maybe I do need to, to go somewhere safer tonight because it's going to be really cold or um, maybe if you did call an ambulance or a you know, we have services that does in our city, like our 24-7 crisis diversion program, which uh, is part of a partnership between ourselves at Boyle Street Community Services, uh, Hope Mission, and REACH, where folks can get that uh, ride or, or intervention, if you will, to get them to a safer place or make sure they're all right and, and avoid that, that emergency service, if, if possible. And so we can even take that handoff from from an ambulance or from uh, police officers so that uh, that person gets the appropriate response and, and, and those other those first responders can 
uh, attend to um, calls that are more appropriate for their services. This is the 24-7 rescue van that you're talking about? So it's a 24-7 crisis diversion. So yes, that would uh, the rescue van would be part of that service, but it's all uh, one large service that's, uh, like I said, a partnership between Boyle Street, Hope Mission, and Reach. What, I'm, what I have in front of me just under the rescue van, and this is where even just having the clarity, because like I said, I don't know if calling 911 is always the answer. Um, and maybe it is, it's truly an emergency and we need to help someone right this second. And in the case of Roy Green, he was saying, why didn't the police take them to the hospital? Well, the answer isn't always take them to have them sit in the emergency room for nine hours. And especially if they're sent, dropped off at the emergency room every single day mm-hmm. throughout the winter. But the number I have in front of me for this rescue van is that you're supposed to, in order for it to be dispatched, we would call the Edmonton Police non-emergency line or pound 377. Is that right? Is that the kind of our best so course of actually, action? The, to, get, uh, to get in contact with the 24-7 crisis diversion, team which is what you're referring to uh uh anyone just needs to call they call 211 and press and then press three and that will take them through to an operator can, that can help uh, assess the situation with them and, and put them in contact or have one of the teams those teams dispatched to that situation but also the uh, you know uh, ambulance uh, so EMS and police are there able to, if they come across a situation or it comes through to them, uh, they're also able to dispatch to these teams as well. And so we're able to obviously get the appropriate service to folks because, like you said, just having someone picked up and taken to, say, the emergency and dropped off doesn't necessarily, it just kind of keep it's this revolving door off. And maybe that person, by the time that uh, they've been in the emergency for a while, the presenting issue isn't what seems to be going on anymore and it's something else and so it does they don't actually get any long-term support and i mean that's not what uh you know ems or eps are are trained to do either so they're not necessarily the the best to do that they do a great job but it's a it's a partnership in knowing which service provider is going to be able to provide the appropriate support to people and and at the same time you know, if you're really unsure, calling 911 is is not not the wrong thing to do. If someone looks like they're in a really dangerous and, and tough situation where, uh, you know, something as horrible as them, uh, you know, losing a finger or arm, leg, or even, you know, passing away as a result, then we, we call 911. And I always try to make people think about that in a way that if they saw someone uh, downtown in, in you know their dress clothes and a suit on the streets and they looked like they were they were lying on the sidewalk they looked like they were in really rough shape um, we would call 911 automatically for them or at least I think most people would and sometimes how we deal with that that situation changes based on if the person looks like they may be experiencing homelessness or or poverty and we're not really sure oh how do I how do I address this and we have a, a little bit of different threshold or standard for dealing with those situations and we need to look at them the same because when someone's in a really dangerous spot we don't really want to be second guessing and, and we want to know that you know not for peace of mind just but that does you know we don't want someone left and not knowing what happened but that they did take action and were able to get that that person in or connected with some appropriate supports.
my uh, buddy who's an Edmonton firefighter, he told me the story of a, a homeless man uh, who he says is the worst image of homelessness in the winter. He w- w- he had been called many times as one of the first responders on, on scene. Uh, when people had called 911, he went and this man was walking the first time he was ever called. Now, a couple years later, this guy is now in a wheelchair. He's lost his legs and he's lost some fingers due to different bouts of frostbite, different experiences of sitting on the sidewalk and then having to be transported to hospital and having to have different parts of his body removed because of what his body has faced in the elements. That's that's the worst case scenario. Yep, that's, um, and unfortunately, I mean, that's not just happening to one one person in our city. I know uh, through the work that I've done and from the work that, you know, folks that I work with, I mean, that sort of stuff happens all too often because um like you said at the beginning it doesn't take very long for you to realize that all of a sudden your you know your fingers are starting to get real cold and fortunately it's not um much down the road from that where you can't tell if your fingers are cold anymore and if you're in a spot where you're outside or you're even maybe you are sleeping outside and you know it happens when you're overnight and you can't get up in the morning and then you're in a real dangerous situation and um if no one knows where you are who who knows how what the end result of that's going to be i absolutely agree that uh, in, in talking about if you see someone in a, in a tough spot or it looks really bad you're not going to have any regret in calling 911 that is an immediate solution or an immediate reaction but it's not a long-term solution and we just kind of wanted your insight. And like you said, if, if we had all the answers, homelessness wouldn't be a thing anymore. We wouldn't have to keep creating plans to end homelessness. Uh, long term, though, if we aren't calling first responders and if these people are we're respecting their rights to refuse service or to, to refuse a ride to a shelter or a ride to a hospital, what what is kind of the first big step that would mean not having to dial 911? I mean, part of it, and I think just to go back on on that, not just the clip of that whole, I listened to that whole um, segment that you played a clip from, and I think what's important is, and through my own experience, I've never met anyone who truly says, no, I don't want anything, like I want to... And and is in a safe and, and good spot where they're at. But um, I think what often is the case is that we're not able to offer or we don't have or we don't know what it is they need. And so we're just offering kind of a, a blanket solution um, or something that we think is going to solve whatever issue that person is experiencing. And we're, we're, we're offering something that... Um, Maybe they, they've tried, they've been in a certain program or, or they've had some sort of support and it didn't, uh, it didn't work out well for them. And so uh, by saying, you know, no, I don't want any help, they're not necessarily saying I'm happy with the current situation I, I'm in or I'm safe, but they're, they're saying what you're offering, you know, isn't, I don't see how that's going to work. And, and we all know there's a lot of other um, compounding variables like like uh, mental wellness and and uh, substance use and all those sorts of things was play into that as well. Aiden, 
Ingalls is the director of programs for Boyle Street and have some really fair points being made on the text line to 630-630 right now. Just going to put a couple of the questions in front of him when we're back in less than three minutes. We're talking about when you're feeling helpless, you see someone on the streets and you think they, they've got to be struggling in some of our more extreme temperatures, what to do. This all came from a story that Roy Green shared on his show yesterday on 630 Ched about a 30-year-old man wrapped in a thin blanket laying on the sidewalk and it was minus 25 with the wind chill. Aiden Engels is the director of programs for Boyle Street and before that was a member of the outreach team actually going out and talking to the people and seeing what they need for programs and support. And Aiden, one of the things that we've really focused on here is what we can do beyond calling 911 and wiping our hands of it and saying, Kate, we've done our service, we can carry on. And the thing that Roy pointed out is that Every single person has the right to refuse help. But in the case that they are jeopardizing their own safety, they're putting themselves at risk, at that point, the first responder has the option to, to drag them into the, the back of an ambulance or the back of a, a cruiser and take them to the hospital, right? I mean, yeah, when, and I'm not by any means an absolute expert on that uh, area of kind of where it becomes, uh, you know, someone can be formed essentially and taken in, but essentially when they're posing, you know, real risk to themselves and it's clear that they're not able to make um, a choice that, uh, you know, that they're putting themselves or others at risk, then that sort of thing can happen and it and it does happen. Um, but uh, the reality is that sometimes when we're at that stage it's i mean it's taken a while to get to the point where they're able to force that person and it, it may be you know some damage has already been done or um like we said a little bit earlier it doesn't actually that person's out there the next day or they're out there after they've been admitted into the hospital for a while and um they don't necessarily get the supports they need and i, I just wanted to go back into the crisis diversion service because i think what that i mean the, the great thing about that service is that the individuals that are working on that they they know a lot of the community that they encounter on a regular basis they're able to not only show up when that call comes in but they're also able to do some of the, that proactive work and then as a part of that service as a whole, they're able to look at how are we going to try to break this cycle that, you know, let's say Jim is going through where we see him out in and out of hospital, his health is declining, he's in desperate need of some further services. And so when when they, you know, encounter him the next time he's out of the hospital, they can say, hey, hey Jim, how, how are we going to, you know, keep you from ending up in the hospital again or or you know and they have that relationship and it's not just a new uh you know first responder showing up on the scene every time who you know has a specific mandate in there you know they, they know the community and they work with them on a regular basis and they also take the pressure off of those first responders who, who don't have that they have a different training you know so i think that's important to note I don't know if we solved the problem today, and I don't know if we'll solve it in coming weeks. I hope in coming years we'll have some real solutions, but I think we're going in the right direction, and a lot of that is thanks to incredible humans like yourself. 
Well, thank you very much for the opportunity, and yeah, hopefully we continue to move along and find uh, better, uh, safer solutions for everyone. Thank you, Aiden. Thank you. That's Aiden Ingalls. He's the director of programs at Boyle Street. Again, if you see somebody on the streets in distress, 211 press 3. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.